Good morning, everyone, or good morning, Washington. Good afternoon, Brussels. Welcome back to the virtual Peterson Institute for International Economics. I'm Adam Posen, the Institute's president, and it is our privilege today at a historic moment for the world economy, but also for European integration and policy to be speaking today with the European Commissioner for Economy, Paolo Gentiloni. We're grateful to the commissioner for making time. We've had the fortune, uh, the good fortune of interacting with him and with his predecessors in that function and working closely with what's called ECFIN, the Department of European Civil Servants on the economic and financial side who work for the commissioner. Uh, Commissioner Gentiloni, of course, is a public servant from Italy and Europe of long standing, including as prime minister of Italy from December 2016 to June 2018. He also previously served as Italy's Minister of Foreign Affairs from 2014 to 2016 and as Minister of Communications, and that he has come into this role in the European governance structures at this time is another example of the call to Europe, uh, the integration of Italy into European leadership and the importance that we put all place rightly on what happens in Brussels and the capitals of Europe. Uh, the commissioner has chosen the title for today of preventing the great fragmentation, Europe's response to the COVID-19 economic shock in the fragmentation, as I understand it, that they are discussing is obviously this is a common and symmetric shock to Europe and to all humans that we have the pandemic, we all face the same biology and simultaneously roughly the same economic concerns. But the incidence of the disease and the economic severity of the shock will be asymmetric and could have fragmented European politics as well as economics. The EU has clearly stepped up in recent weeks. Commissioner, could I ask you to expand on what you think Europe has done to prevent this great fragmentation and what you think it means for both the European economic outlook, but also the functioning of European economic policy going forward? I'm trying to unmute you, Commissioner. For some reason, it's not working. Could you unmute? Thank you. Uh, yes. Uh, good morning, and uh, uh, thank you very much for, for this opportunity. Um, and uh, thank you uh, uh, to, to, for, for also this, this question that could maybe uh, have an answer uh, uh, framing a little bit uh, what is uh, for me this uh, great fragmentation uh, risk and what was done uh, from uh, European institutions and member states, obviously. Uh, it is, I think, very interesting to note that uh, it was a very quick reaction. The first uh, initiatives were taken uh, middle of March. It's 70, 75 days from now. Uh, and they were uh, three important decisions at the time. Uh, one was uh, the decision of the ECB uh, to, this, uh, to uh, deliver on this uh, pandemic purchase program, uh, which, by the way, has been uh, strengthened uh, a, a few hours ago. As you know, uh, the ECB added uh, 600 billion to
to the 750 previous billion of this uh, pandemic program. Um, and it is a very uh, important decision. And then we had two other decisions coming from the Commission at the time. Uh, one was the suspension of the pres uh, Stability and Growth Pact, which is our uh, fiscal surveillance rules. And the second was uh, the uh, suspension of the traditional uh, state aid rules. Uh, these two decisions were, in a certain sense, enabling uh, European member states to uh, deploy their uh, fiscal power, uh, forgetting for uh, the moment uh, the limits, the rules, the thresholds, the state aid uh, limitation. Uh, and this happened, so member states decided uh, ex discretionary expenditures for around 4% uh, of European GDP. And this is uh, perhaps to be increased uh, from the decision announced yesterday by Germany. And um, uh, around 24% of GDP on uh, guarantees and tax postponement. So a very strong, uh, initiative from member states. But at the same time, this initiative uh, increased the risk. Uh, I am not uh, blaming these initiatives, but they increased the risk of differences among member states um, of uh, problems in the level playing field of our single market and of fragmentation, especially among uh, member states of the euro area uh, sharing the same currency. Um, we have several examples of this. We frequently uh, mention the example of the request received by the Commission uh, of state aid um, with new rules. Uh, and these requests uh, were for a total of uh, 2.5. Uh, three trillions of euros and more or less half, I think 48% of this request uh, were coming from only one member state, uh, which is Germany. Uh, so in other, in other words, I would say that uh, enabling member states to spend uh, all of them the, the, the member states with large fiscal space and others with very limited fiscal space, all were allowed to spend to face this unprecedented crisis and its economic and social consequences. At the same time, member states were allowed to intervene uh, in companies uh, in difficulty um, and not uh, following the rules that we normally have uh, for uh, state aid and state intervention. But this made uh, clearer than ever the importance of having common fiscal tools to uh, avoid this fragmentation, to rebalance the situation, uh, and to exclude the possibility of a symmetric crisis uh, finishing 
with winners and losers, finishing with someone in uh, very good shape and others in very bad shape, or at least mitigating this. This was the general um, target of all the measures that we took at EU level. We had, as, as you um, probably know, um, a first package of uh, around 500 billion euros uh, in three different decisions uh, coming uh, from our ministers of finance um, in three different tools, uh, one uh, targeted to uh, short-time uh, work schemes, the second to healthcare systems, and the third to small and medium enterprises. But then, uh, after these uh, important initiatives uh, of 500 billion of loans uh, provided by these three tools coming from three different institutions, EIB, ESM, and the Commission for the uh, short-term uh, work, uh, we uh, proposed as a Commission exactly uh, eight days ago uh, this uh, uh, recovery plan uh, that we call the next generation EU plan. Uh, the plan is, uh, from my point of view, really impressive. Uh, I am not discussing uh, only of the macroeconomic uh, uh, importance, which is there because we are talking about seven 150 billion euros, but it is very important, and I would say perhaps even more important, uh, the decision uh, that uh, it is the Commission that will uh, uh, go uh, to the markets, uh, borrowing these 750 billion euros, uh, and uh, either um, uh, distributing them through grants uh, or uh, a smaller part uh, through uh, loans for uh, those member states that are interested in loans uh, because of their uh, relatively higher interest rates. And this is, um, uh, um, I, I stress this fact, uh, as I already told to, to Adam Posen, uh, really uh, unprecedented. Uh, uh, and uh, perhaps it is uh, a step uh, in a really strategic direction, which is the direction to uh, have uh, in EU not only a common monetary policy, uh, which is already there, at, at least for 19 member states, but to have also uh, the beginning of a real common fiscal policy. And this is uh, a potential game changer. I remember very well in the last two or three years, uh, the uh, presidents of the ECB uh, stressing the fact that Yes, monetary policy have a big role, and today's decision of the ECB are confirming this, 
but if they are not uh, joined also by uh, at least an, a, a, a starting of a common fiscal policy, uh, this is um, perhaps not sufficient to avoid fragmentation and differences uh, in our European uh, family. So in 75 days, I think something happened that was completely um, impossible to predict only uh, four or five months ago. If we think to the discussion and the divisions that we had in the last 10 years, but in fact, it was uh, perfectly uh, necessary if we consider how deep is the recession uh, we are facing and how symmetric is the origin of this deep recession. Thank you, Commissioner. Um, as you say, this is a potential game changer. Uh, in our conversation, you mentioned that it may be misleading or exaggerating to talk about a Hamiltonian moment as our colleague uh, Dick Kierkegaard and others have spoken of, but it clearly is, is a shift. And we at Peterson had agreed with the analytical thrust behind former President Draghi and current ECB President Lagarde's calls for fiscal progress. The, the old trope is that Europe proceeds through crisis and certainly so far this crisis is proceeding much better in that sense than the previous crisis. I guess where I would like to start our Q&A um, and please everyone who's online uh, as an invited participant use the Q&A tool in Zoom to post a question that we can post to the commissioner. Um, I guess is how much is this structure set up to be this emergency response with the COVID response purpose versus how much the creation of a European fiscal uh, power, let's call it, um, going to outlast this crisis? I mean, what do you see this being used for in future? Is it only going to be an emergency fund when there are similar common symmetric shocks, or is it something that may be an ongoing facility? How, uh, where do you want it to go? Uh, well, I think that uh, there is a inevitable uh, uh, ambiguity in, in my uh, answer to this uh, question, because uh, I think from one side, it is uh, clear that this is a uh, temporary uh, decision. Uh, it is a uh, fund that is uh, targeted to a special mission to face this crisis and that will have a uh, few years, uh, three, five years of uh, deployment. Um, so the, the, the first part of the answer is it, it's a temporary decision. But at the same time, we know that this is establishing a, uh, a precedent. It is establishing the fact that, yes, uh, the Commission uh, is an institution uh, with a triple A rating uh, allowed to uh, 
uh, go in the markets and borrow in case of uh, situations of emergency in case of need. And we live in a world where uh, emergency and needs are uh, rather frequent uh, as um, well, in, in my uh, personal experience, we, uh, we saw perhaps two or three of them. So uh, the, the tool, uh, the fund is temporary, but the decision will have a uh, lasting uh, effect. Thank you, Commissioner. I have a first question from Olivier Blanchard that it's likely to take some time to get the recovery plan on the road. By then, COVID spending may actually be less, COVID-directed spending may actually be less relevant. What do you expect the spending to actually be on with this money that's going to the member states? And how optimistic are you that the money will be well spent? Uh, well, it it should be well spent. And I think that uh, the European institutions and the Commission, which is the one uh, borrowing and distributing uh, this fund, uh, will uh, ensure that it, it will be well spent. What does this mean? Um, I have two answers for this. One is, well, the decision is uh, in, in first uh, phase in the hands of uh, uh, different member states. This is not a, a program decided here in the Berlin uh, Palace and transmitted uh, as a sort of memorandum uh, to be adopted by 27 member states. Uh, these plans um, uh, need to be uh, uh, realized uh, by member states. Uh, it's their responsibility, it's their uh, ownership uh, to propose these plans to the Commission. Uh, then the Commission is asked to uh, uh, share and agree with these plans and this decision will be taken um, I think responding to uh, our priorities, uh, because what we need, uh, we strongly need, I think, is that these plans are helping um, not only the resilience of uh, European uh, countries and societies uh, in front of crisis last like the one we experienced but also uh, these plans should uh, be strongly oriented to fund uh, and, uh, the transitions uh, we are in. And the, the, so the priorities that we always repeat uh, here in, in Brussels are the, the European Green Deal in, in one side and the digital transition in the other side. But we all know that the, the two or three months of lockdown, uh, in fact, have uh, emphasized and strengthened the importance of both these uh, uh, strong challenges. 
and large priorities. So we will encourage these plans to be uh, uh, oriented to uh, reforms and investments and to be strictly connected to uh, our priorities uh, and these two priorities, especially. Thank you. I have a related question, more practical from Stephen Erlanger of the New York Times. When can Italy, Spain, and other badly affected countries realistically expect money from the recovery fund? Uh, well, small amount of money, but uh, I would say even uh, minimal amount of money uh, will be available already uh, this year uh, because uh, some of the smaller tools of this uh, um, recovery plan uh, will be uh, available already this year. Uh, in particular, one which is called React EU, uh, which is more targeted to the impact of uh, COVID-19, but it is uh, perhaps uh, 11 uh, billions uh, this year. Uh, and uh, then we have um, reinforced um, through uh, cohesion funds, other tools uh, in, in for this year. But the, the, the real answer is the funding uh, will begin uh, with the new uh, multi-annual budget of the commission uh, because the fund and the borrowing in the market uh, are connected to the multi-annual budget of the commission and this budget will be in place uh, from uh, January the 1st next year. But we are encouraging uh, member states to uh, propose uh, their uh, national recovery plan already in autumn. Uh, Despite the fact that financing will begin uh, next spring, uh, because this dialogue, uh, I think, should begin as soon as possible. So we ask them to uh, make their proposals already in autumn, so to have a dialogue with the Commission and to make possible the first disbursement uh, in next spring. Thank you. Um, I have a question from Jean Pisani Ferry of Peterson Institute and Bruegel. So it, it partly relates to what you were just saying, Commissioner. The EU budget has traditionally and recurrently had a certain amount of rigidity and a certain amount of politicization from the main actors. I mean, are there any thoughts to making the budget processes more flexible uh, and to insulate some of the allocation of funds from the state level, uh, veto players putting pressure on the system? Uh, well, in, 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 in such a, uh, um, I, I would say, uh, bold, um, move and decision from the Commission and from the President of the Commission, um, I, I don't think it 
would have been wise also uh, to to have a, a proposal uh, completely uh, uh, changing the cards on the table on the uh, multi-annual uh, budget. I'm not saying that I'm not sharing this uh, uh, necessity, but the political um, assessment that we made was, uh, okay, we are proposing uh, something uh, really unprecedented. At the same time, uh, we don't want to completely reopen the discussion, which is already difficult among member states on the multi-annual budget. Uh, only two remarks. One, we introduced, in fact, uh, in our proposal, because the proposal is, has not yet has, has to be approved by um, the Council. Uh, we introduced a larger amount of flexibility in the budget. So a certain amount of money that can be moved from one uh, chapter to another uh, to face um, evolution of the situation, emergencies, etc. Second remark is that I deem personally uh, very uh, important the fact that despite the difficulties of this uh, budget and um, its his, his design, which is uh, coming from long, long time, uh, having this recovery uh, fund and plan connected to the budget is, uh, from my point of view, uh, politically very important for Europe. It would have been different, uh, maybe useful at, at the same time, but different to uh, create a new intergovernmental uh, fund, um, a sort of new ESM, uh, so to say, to face the um, COVID-19 consequences. Uh, because here we are embedding this uh, borrowing in the markets in the, um, com through the Commission in the budget of the Commission. And this is really a game changer, much more from my point of view, than uh, establishing a new intergovernmental fund. Thank you. That's a very important distinction you're making. Uh, we have a question from Bjorn Eric Orskog of Norges Bank Investment Management, which goes directly to what you were just saying as it happens. Should we understand the EU debt to be joint and several, or will it rather be just several? Some have suggested Germany's on board with it being a several debt, but not joint. So it's in the EU budget, but is the debt truly common? Well, the debt will be uh, um, paid back uh, in, a, in a long period. Uh, it is uh, in our proposal, um, the, re the repayment is beginning in 2028 and lasting until uh, 2058. Uh, so um, it's not perpetual, but it's long maturity uh, in, in, uh, in paying back. Um, for sure, this uh, will also uh, open um, the this open will uh, enhance the discussion on 
what here we call uh, the, the, the union own resources, uh, which is, um, um, can we uh, fund the union not only through contribution of member states uh, that are now uh, the majority of the funding of the union, can we fund the union also at a larger extent uh, from now uh, with uh, uh, new uh, own resources, form of European uh, 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 taxation? Uh, well, my mm, personal answer is definitely yes. We can and we should. Um, by the way, I'm, I am the commissioner in charge of of, uh, of taxation, and that's that's why we uh, asked. <laughs> yes, that, well, I, have, I have not to say this to to um, too much because it's not so so popular. But in fact, we are not uh, taxing directly uh, citizens. We are talking of several um, possible uh, own resources coming from new mechanism and these mechanisms are connected either to uh, global issues the one we are discussing now in oecd digital taxation minimal taxation or and very promisingly from my point of view uh, they are connected to the green uh, transition uh, i think from these two uh, um, avenues the 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 two big things discussed in the OECD uh, global discussion and the uh, energy, carbon border, uh, environmental taxation. I think uh, the Commission uh, could have in the next years a stronger um, part of own resources. And this obviously uh, would strengthen uh, the decision uh, we are taking uh, to to uh, to have uh, a common debt to issue a common debt as a commission. It is not the member states that have asked to repay this debt. Uh, this is also to be clear. Okay. So thank you, um, our Pearson colleague Jason Jacob Kierkegaard. Um, follows up on this point, or how already had this, but it happens to follow up, which is, you know, you, you've, you're in his calculations and understanding of your reports, you've got expanded ETS, border adjustment, taxes and multinational corporations, and digital taxes. Um, so the first point is how much does this become a permanent revenue stream to the commission and I mean, and is it solely tied to this particular debt issue, issue, not issue concepts, the issuance of this line of 30 year debt. And second, is this, are all these different taxes and revenue sources really aligned with the green agenda, the, the way you want it to be? I mean, it seems like there's some tension there with ETS, but maybe you can speak uh, yes, well, first of all, in, in my view, uh, they should be uh, strongly uh, connected to our uh, uh, Green Deal uh, strategy. Uh, 
despite the fact that timing uh, obviously uh, should take in account also uh, in these very weeks, very months, the consequences of that we are experiencing in some sectors uh, from the, the lockdowns, uh, but uh, apart from this uh, emergency of a few months, I think that co the, the coherence of this um, uh, resources with our Green Deal strategy is uh, essential. Uh, uh, second, I, uh, in, in my opinion, uh, this effort uh, on uh, own resources uh, is uh, very important to strengthen uh, the European project. Uh, I am not uh, looking to this effort uh, because it is necessary to pay uh, the debt uh, that uh, we will uh, uh, have borrowing in financial markets because the burden of this debt uh, will be very limited with, with the interest rates that we have now. And it could be um, uh, near to, 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 to a very, very minimal amount of money yearly. This is not um, the main uh, motivation of uh, increasing our own resources. Increasing our own resources has to do with, I think, two strategic necessity. One is uh, that the European uh, project cannot be uh, only connected to uh, member states' contribution uh, because this uh, is uh, important, but if it is exclusive or almost exclusive, it is a limitation for this project. And second, because we need uh, these uh, uh, new initiatives for substantial reasons. We need a minimal uh, corporate tax in Europe uh, because we can't have a single market with uh, aggressive tax planning inside the, the single market. Uh, we need uh, the, the, a, a mechanism, it will not be easy to design it, a mechanism um, to uh, 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 strengthen uh, our path uh, towards uh, cleaner industries, uh, avoiding um, a, a unfair competition uh, against our industries because they are uh, uh, very faster in, in greening. So we need a carbon border uh, adjustment of something. So uh, sorry to be a little long in this uh -huh. answer, but my point is that Definitely, we need uh, this new uh, taxation. We need own resources, but not uh, for the main uh, motivation uh, that is the, 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 the repaying of the debt that we will uh, have with this new fund. Uh, this will be a side effect, but the real motivation is maybe much more important than this. Thank you. No, I appreciate your being full in your answer because this is obviously a critical point for the green agenda for the future of the European project in general. Um, now, 
as commissioner for economy, you and your colleagues in DG ECFIN do do a certain amount of surveillance and advice on a country by country, member state by member state basis. Um, and as you mentioned, the SGP in certain forms of surveillance are sort of pulled up, but clearly you also mentioned the idea of the various countries presenting their recovery plans this fall for consultation, review, comment. So uh, I, on that regard, I wanna pull up a question by Angel Bide of Citadel that the German government seems to have taken some very aggressive and for its standards, atypical moves in terms of spending, including the just announced VAT cut. Um, how much do you think the German model of what they're doing in terms of demand management now is applicable for other countries like Italy, France, Spain, um, especially since it is emphasizing short-term demand management? Is this, we have countries that are going to have larger output gaps, obviously, than, uh, and you had mentioned, or your, your team has mentioned, you know, that you've changed the estimates of the output gaps realistically as best you can, given the crisis. So just, sorry to my turn, I've gone on too long, but just to say in your role as surveillance and advisor to national governments, what do you think of the German plan? What do you think of its elements as applicable to the rest of Europe? Uh, well, according to the, to the presentation we received, of this plan that was uh, announced yesterday, uh, I think uh, uh, it is uh, very positive for, for at least two reasons. Uh, the first one is that it is a, a strong and impressive uh, stimulus um, um, from, from the German side. And we insisted in, uh, in uh, perhaps five, six years, uh, in the last five or six years, I, I was not there, but the commission insisted in the last five or six years, asking uh, countries with fiscal space and Germany, uh, first of all, uh, to, um, to spend, to invest, to um, modernize, to use this fiscal space. Um, and so this is the first reason we are very, uh, we are judging very positively the plan, but it is not only uh, this, it is also uh, from my point of view, the fact that the connection with uh, the digital and green uh, targets is, uh, at first view, very strong. Uh, and uh, I, I think that uh, this is also uh, encouraging all member states uh, to connect their recovery plan uh, to these uh, strategic priorities. So I think it's good for um, the, the fiscal stance uh, that we uh, always uh, were suggesting, but it's good also for a content that is strictly connected to our green and digital transition. Thank you, Commissioner. 
Um, just to follow up on that, I have questions from Douglas Redeker of International Capital Strategies and from Nicholas Veron of Peterson as well as Bruegel on this topic of how you sort of adjust the SGP going forward, whether formally or informally, in, in, in implementation terms, how do you get back from where you are now and the debts that will be incurred for thinking through those evaluations? And more broadly, uh, what, as the other member states do submit their plans and, and do proceed with their plans, um, what kind of conditionality, if any, and what kind of evaluation do you see both your group at, at DG ECFIN and the commission more generally exercising over these plans? Forgive me if, if I'm asking you to repeat some things, but I think this is a point in which you need to be very clear what, what you think is going to happen here in terms of conditionality or not in this realm. Uh, yes, well, uh, we are uh, still uh, in a situation uh, where uh, the, it is uh, a, we call it a general escape clause, um, so a, a suspensive clause uh, of the uh, Stability and Growth Pact is in place. Uh, we uh, uh, activated this close um, at the end of March uh, and uh, this influenced already uh, our uh, recommendation to all countries in, in the last uh, in the two or three weeks ago uh, how long this uh, general escape clause will last uh, well this depends on uh, the evolution of the crisis. Um, we have no precedent. Precedent. It's the first time that this uh, general escape clause is uh, activated. Uh, it was introduced in uh, 2014, I think. Uh, so after the, uh, the, the previous uh, financial crisis, um, exactly having in mind the possibility of a, a general situation of difficulty for all member states. Um, and this um, will um, last until this general uh, situation of crisis will last. Um, so it's a political decision. Um, at a certain time, um, we will decide that the a severe downturn of the European economy as a whole, I am quoting the, the, the regulation, is not no more there, but um, for the moment it is for sure there. So we are in, in this suspensive uh, situation. This creates the fact that in the our uh, spring uh, country uh, recommendations, uh, we took note of the fact that uh, every single member state uh, is not respecting our uh, uh, fiscal thresholds. We don't have European member states respecting the 3% uh, to deficit rule. 
and uh, member states are augmenting their uh, debt to GDP uh, ratio. Uh, this happens in a moment where <laughs> um, it's a little bit uh, paradoxical, but it is uh, true. We have just began a discussion uh, on the review of the rules of this stability and growth pact. But this review began before the uh, outbreak in January. And we were supposed to conclude this review in autumn, uh, proposing some slight change uh, or strong change to, uh, to our rules. Uh, is this exercise completely uh, lost because of the situation? I don't think so. Um, I think that at the very beginning of this exercise of the review of the Stability and Growth Pact, before the COVID-19 crisis, we were discussing uh, on two things. One was uh, the possible simplification of this um, mechanism of surveillance uh, that is very complicated. And second, the possibility to create uh, a, a um, easier uh, way uh, to uh, public investment to be deployed. Um, I think that um, these two issues are perfectly uh, true uh, also and will be perfectly true also after the crisis. So we will perhaps delay, or for sure, we will delay the timing of this review but when we will, took, we will take in our hands again this review, these uh, two problems will be uh, stronger than before. Just one mention to investment, for example. In uh, ECFIN uh, estimation, um, which were at the basis of the assessment of needs, for the recovery plan. So it was a very solid basis for the uh, proposal. Um, we estimate uh, a loss of uh, 842 uh, billion uh, of uh, euros uh, investment in 2020 and 2021 accumulated. And more than 90% of this loss is uh, private investment in our estimate. Um, so we need to avoid what frequently happens that after a shortage of private investment, there is also a shortage of public investment. And so we will uh, have, I think, stronger than before, the need to facilitate public investment, especially public investment connected to the green uh, transition. Thank you very much, Commissioner. Now, you've been very responsive to the questions, and of course, you shows how well you know your brief in your area. I, I'm going to ask you to go a bit further afield. We're obviously still relevant to the work as Commissioner for Economy, which is the international aspect. Um, we all are hopeful for the green agenda for Europe and therefore 
as a means to the green agenda for the world. Obviously, we need a greater global emphasis on, on the, the climate change issue. Uh, so, but we're getting pushback from the US, from some other countries. Um, from your perspective, from your piece of the, of the puzzle, how do you see these green measures being put in place and the public investment being put in place working vis-a-vis -vis the rest of the world? If Europe is out in front on these matters, are there going to be protectionist actions back and forth? You've talked about the need for border adjustments to not put European business at a disadvantage. What do you think happens on this front? Uh, well, I would say first that uh, we should uh, avoid any uh, idea uh, of the fact that uh, this crisis uh, brings to uh, postpone uh, the uh, Green Deal uh, European commitment. Um, and I, I, I know that this is uh, a, a position uh, that can be also shared by uh, part of uh, our citizens. Um, and it is easy, unfortunately, uh, to uh, distribute uh, uh, propaganda on the fact that this is not the moment to think uh, uh, to the next uh, decades, it's a moment uh, to think uh, to, to the next weeks uh, to survive, etc., etc. And I fully uh, respect the, the social difficulties that are behind these kind of reactions. But um, if we are responsible politicians, I think that we uh, should uh, keep these priorities also because uh, the paradoxically uh, this uh, two or three uh, terrible months of uh, people dying people suffering and of lockdowns uh, brought us also lessons on the potentiality uh, for a different way of living different way of transportation different ways of working and we should not lose this opportunity. So first of all, we need to confirm uh, this as a priority. Uh, second, uh, we need to try at least uh, to uh, relaunch uh, the process uh, at a global uh, uh, level because, uh, well, Europe is um, responsible uh, only for a rather limited uh, amount of uh, emissions and uh, you, you can't have uh, a, a green deal in a country alone or, or, in a, or only in Europe. Uh, uh, this is, has to do with uh, the pressure of the public opinion, the pressure of United Nations and sustainable development goals and also the attitude of the global players. I have seen uh, some, uh, um, um, some moments of uh, multilateralism 
coming back in these uh, difficult months, and this is uh, absolutely uh, positive and important. For example, all the commitment um, uh, in supporting IMF uh, in uh, suspending the, the debt service for uh, lower income countries, uh, good decisions from the G20, etc., etc. But I, I unfortunately I, I'm also seeing the opposite. So the risk of having new uh, trade uh, tensions and uh, less uh, commitment on the green uh, transition. So this in the post-COVID-19 world will be a decisive challenge. Will we uh, go to strengthen uh, multilateralism uh, or will this crisis uh, make uh, nationalism uh, stronger? In my experience in Europe and also in the country I know best, which is Italy, um, at the moment, the uh, positions of a strong man, of I, I am solving everything on my on my own. Uh, I am against uh, EU, etc. Are weaker than before, not stronger than before. But this is what happens now. In in the beginning of June, we have to consider what will happen in next autumn with the social consequences of this crisis deploying their effects. And so we have to be very active, I think, on this. Thank you. And just to say in one plug that I must make, the Peterson Institute is committed to supporting Europe and the world on that journey to progress on dealing with decarbonization and multilateral efforts to abet that. John Pisani Ferry and I are leading a new project here, and we're hoping to contribute to your effort. Uh, a final question, if I may, Commissioner. You've been very generous with your time and with your answers. And again, on the international front, in part because of your own experience as Prime Minister and Foreign Minister of Italy, it seems a shame not to ask you this. But it's also, of course, a European issue. Um, you mentioned the G20s welcome efforts regarding the uh, resources for the IMF, the World Bank, uh, efforts for postponement or restructuring, well, not yet restructuring, but at least standstills on debt repayments in the official sector for poorer countries. What do you see potentially happening in terms of governance of international debt and governance of the international financial institutions coming out of this, this situation. I mean, clearly there's been an issue with Europe writ large, the member, some of the member states being unwilling to reallocate shares. Clearly there's been issues with the US being unwilling to allocate resources, although in the crisis, we seem to have done a little better on that. I realize this is not your remit as commissioner, but as a experienced policymaker in these areas, how much of the same spirit you were talking about with respect to the way European public feels now about the green agenda, how much do you think that spirit can also be channeled towards debt relief or governance reform in the international financial system? 
Well, I, I think it's uh, absolutely needed. Um, uh, it was frankly not uh, obvious uh, that um, a minimal decision uh, to, to, to suspend the debt service of uh, 77 um, poorer countries um, it was reached after a complicated negotiations um, among uh, main creditors uh, and now I think that uh, um, something like 40 of these 77 have already um, made the agreement the necessary agreement but it's a very uh, initial uh, move for sure and uh, now um, restructuring uh, is uh, of essence, especially in uh, some countries, uh, and the discussion is uh, going on. Uh, we uh, took some uh, good decision, even in, in this difficult time. I, yesterday, I uh, mentioned to my uh, colleagues in the conference call of the G7 uh, finance minister that uh, the, the European Union uh, was providing uh, finance assistance, for example, to Ukraine or Jordan uh, in deciding it in these very days during the uh, coronavirus uh, pandemic. And I think this is uh, 1.3 billion for Ukraine is something. Uh, in not only a message uh, for in finance assistance in cooperation with IMF, obviously. So here uh, it's it's the challenge, but the challenge is also in uh, re-strengthening um, and avoiding a um, uh, uh, stalemate in uh, WTO because we can't. Uh, 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 win uh, the, the post-crisis situation if we have a uh, difficulty or a crisis in uh, global and international trade. Uh, and finally, I think, but this is a little bit out of uh, my portfolio and our discussion, we will be uh, challenged in the next uh, um, weeks and months uh, by the consequences of this crisis, um, especially on two issues. One is uh, how much should we uh, protect our economies? Uh, because there is a need of protection coming from this crisis. But from my point of view, this need of protection should not undermine uh, the openness uh, of the and the competitiveness of the European single market. This will be a, a, a very relevant argument for discussion. Uh, how much will we protect our value chains? How much will we protect our companies without disrupting uh, the, uh, the, the trade, single market competitiveness? And the second will be uh, definitely, we will have a stronger role for uh, the government, for public, for the state in our economies, 
at least in the next uh, months and years uh, and few years and this is needed and could even be um, used in a very positive way uh, for public investment for our for our transitions but uh, with very clear uh, red lines in Europe uh, on, about any uh, form of attraction to, uh, towards these forms of uh, authoritarian uh, capitalism. Uh, that is not something coming from very far from Europe, but it is frequently something that is also inside uh, Europe. Yeah. We are not talking of conditionalities when we are talking of the economic recovery plan, but for sure we have a conditionality, which is the rule of law in uh, the Union. That is a fantastic note to end on, Commissioner, and that kind of leadership for liberal values from you personally and from Europe is something I think we all need uh, without sounding too sanctimonious or scared. Obviously, rule of law uh, is a concern that in the U.S. now is more front and center than it has been perhaps at any time in many decades. Um, more broadly, just to remind everyone that the full video and eventual transcript of this will be available on the Peterson Institute website, www.piae.com, as well as the commission's site, of course, as they choose to post. I would encourage the commissioner to think about his response to my last question, which I think was fantastic, as a and talking about these issues of how much state intervention and how much supply chain protection and the international as well as the intra-European aspects is a fantastic topic, which we would love to hear your reflections on again at some future date after more has transpired. Uh, we very much value the collaboration with you, your cabinet, with the DG ECFIN, and our colleagues uh, working on economics at the delegation of the European Union here in Washington. Uh, thank you for joining us for that, and uh, we look forward to continued conversation. One last note, uh, you said to be cautious about the Hamiltonian comparisons. Um, I'll just make a comparison to the musical, not the history. I, I think we're all hopeful that you and the leaders of Europe are not throwing away your shot in this uh, time of crisis. And You've taken a great first step, and we encourage you to keep it going. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you very much. This meeting is adjourned.